Do you know what separates a failed business exit from a highly profitable one? Do you want to maximize the value of your business? The Business Exit Stories podcast is the solution. Through a collection of stories told by the business intermediaries who facilitate those transactions, you'll receive the key takeaways from successful and, yes, some not-so-successful business exits. Now is the time to begin to position your business for an exit by implementing key strategies designed to maximize your enterprise value and help you achieve an exceptionally profitable exit. Today we have with us Brad Scofen. He's an intermediary located in Michigan. Brad shares with us several transactions, one of which took place during the height of the COVID pandemic lockdown. I want you to pay particular attention and listen closely to the reason this transaction, while delayed by a few months, was able to be closed while most of the country was still under COVID lockdown restrictions. There are some valuable lessons to be learned on why this transaction moved forward smoothly with very few problems, even though much of the country was still in lockdown mode. In several other transactional stories, Brad outlines how two companies had similar issues during the sales process, which resulted in neither of these transactions closing. The interesting thing is that even though both of these sellers were ready to retire, they were unable to consummate their deals, even when the buyers made full asking price offers. There is a cautionary red flag in both of these transactions that every entrepreneur listening to this episode should pay close attention to so that they don't end up in a similar situation. Finally, Brad tells us how he was retained by a buyer to help evaluate companies he was looking at and how having an expertise in valuation methodology helped the buyer find, vet, and eventually buy a company for 30% less than the offering price. Pay particular attention on why the seller agreed to the 30% discount on the offering price and why it was a win for both the buyer and the seller. The takeaway from this transaction is truly a gem in understanding how a business should be positioned for a successful sale in order to eliminate valuation problems during the selling process in the future. This is Marvin L. Storm with the Business Exit Stories podcast. Today we're here with Brad Scoffin. Would you take a few minutes and introduce yourself, Brad? Thanks, Marvin. Yeah, my name's Brad Scoffin. I'm one of the founders of a company called Advanced Business Advisors. And we're business intermediaries, and we service Michigan and Indiana, helping people traditionally retire by finding an exit uh, and sell their business. And we sometimes work with buyers to help them purchase a business. All right, Brad. What we're going to do here today is ask you to share some transactional stories with us. Why don't we get started with a couple of transactions that had their challenges and maybe closed and maybe didn't. So would you share a couple of those transactions with us here today? I'd be happy to. Uh, the first one uh, that I'd like to discuss is one that was a, a husband-wife team. Uh, they owned a specialty retail, uh, very successful actually, and made a good living uh, doing mostly window coverings, blinds, and, and so forth. Uh, had owned it for uh, close to 40 years. So they did both commercial and residential? They did. They they serviced uh, uh, both commercial and residential. They uh, also had a little niche of actually uh, 
doing some cleaning services for some uh, uh, commercial businesses where they take the blinds in and clean them uh, and deliver them back uh, nice and clean. That was a nice added revenue stream for them. They'd been in this business for some time, I assume, since it's a husband and wife team. They, they had owned the business for 40 years. Uh, primarily, it was just them running the business with some contracted part-time help uh, here and there, but it was uh, really kind of a tag team between the two of them. She did most of the sales and uh, office management, and he was uh, installation uh, and ran that crew. Would this have a retail storefront, or was it specifically just warehousing type of uh, format for a business building? No, great question. They actually own their own property. It was uh, mostly a, a retail storefront and showroom. Uh, and then delivery to the businesses and installation at businesses and residential places. This actually came to us uh, through a referral from a commercial real estate agent that we work with. So are you saying that the real estate referral that you got, they had listed the building with him as well as the business? No. So this this was a commercial real estate agent that uh, they had come to because they had previously listed it with another commercial real estate agent and had gotten no traction, no, no interested parties. Uh, and the, uh, so they reached out to a friend of ours uh, that uh, was in commercial real estate. And that person said, I can help you with the real estate, but I don't know anything about uh, giving you a proper value on the business. And that's where he brought us into sitting down with them. And the, the challenge we had from the get-go is that uh, they had um, a sense of wanting, you know, uh, a lot more than they were worth. And when they listed it with the first real estate agent, they just took the listing at whatever price they wanted, which had no bearing on what the value of the business was worth. So what you're telling me is that they decided, since they've been in this business for 40 years, they decided they needed so much of retirement, and that became the value of the business as far as they were concerned. Right. Without looking at the underlying numbers to support that number, uh, they just they wanted X and uh, plus the real estate. And so the real estate was easy to define by looking at current market comps and some analysis. But they wanted a lot more than the business was worth. And so when we were brought into the loop and, and uh, trying to work through that number with them, we had to bring their expectations uh, down to something that would produce interested parties as well as be something that banks would be willing to finance. So when you walk someone like this, that obviously they haven't bought and sold businesses over their career and they haven't been through this before, when it comes down to actually arriving at a business valuation, it sounded like they had a big mountain to climb of bringing their expectations into what you would consider reality. Yeah, we like to help them uh, understand by getting them to look at it from a fresh perspective uh, instead of just what they want for it. If they were on the brand new, if they were to rewind the clock 30 years earlier, what would they be willing to pay for a business like this and look at the numbers from the cost perspective of what they'd have to finance and pay, and can the business support paying them a salary, paying for the debt service, and start just to let the numbers speak for them? Because we realize they've spent years building a great business, and it, it's wonderful to see somebody be successful. But then to tell them a value on it when they have a different value in mind, we've got to get them to arrive at that same point with us by letting the numbers speak. Uh, and so that's usually the the approach that we 
that we bring to the table is to help them come to a realistic, fair value of what uh, they would buy the business for if they were starting over. And that's what we had to do with this person. Were they able to get their head around that type of logic? You know, eventually. It took them a while to to really come to the to the table, but uh, with the help of the the second real estate agent that had brought us into the picture, um, it w- we were able to really get down to the weeds of what uh, a true bankable value would be for the business. Often when you have real estate involved in a transaction like this, it's hard to separate out in the seller's mind the business and the real estate into two different pots. Did you have that type of challenge here? We did it first because of how they originally went to market because they just wanted a price tag, not really separating it out in buckets. Separating it out into the buckets uh, definitely helped them get more realistic on where the value was. Once we pulled real estate and just assigned a number to that and then a number to the business and then a number to inventory, it was easier to get a grasp on what the total value package and how different types of buyers might look at uh, the total picture. And that, I assume, made some sense to them when they could actually quantify what the inventory was worth and what the comparable listings in real estate were. They probably had a little bit better visual understanding of what the business was actually worth then. Absolutely. Then you can start running the numbers. This is what the business is worth. And if you want to ask twice what it's worth, can it support that? and pay off that, you know, that debt service if you're, if you're borrowing money to buy the business. Um, and more often than not, it cannot if they're asking too much. You have some people that have been in business and you said build a very successful business over that period of time for some 40 odd years. My guess is without knowing a lot about the transaction that uh, they probably had some pretty antiquated bookkeeping and financial record keeping. That would be my guess. Am I kind of right there? Yeah. On this, on this case, unfortunately, and that's also what brings down uh, valuation when it's, you know, we see it all the time with a lot of small business owners and some that are very large that still have very outdated, uh, you know, paper systems, uh, the old proverbial shoebox method uh, of accounting. Uh, the more organized their books are, and if they can pull data quickly and fast, it will help support a higher valuation. Uh, and in this case, that was not the case. So whenever we needed reports, it uh, was not always readily available or it was something that had to be done uh, hand manipulated, written down on paper or, or put together. Uh, and so that definitely uh, undermined their value. And yet they, as you said, they had a very successful business were making great money and had a good customer base and everything else, but they had a hard time justifying that value through their financial reporting. Correct. And part of the the challenge we see with a lot of small business owners is that, uh, hey, they, they made great money. So they didn't need to necessarily grow or manage the business more efficiently because they were making good money. Uh, but yet now when they want to sell for a much higher price tag, they needed to actually be managing the business differently. Uh, and that, you know, so managing the business for your personal paycheck and taking money home is one thing. Managing for total return and value on the back end is a different aspect. And those are not necessarily one and of the same. 
So how were you able to get the right type of people, or were you able to get the right type of people to come to the table? Well, once we got a realistic view on, on value, uh, we were able to get, we had several interested parties that had inquired on the business and uh, done various depths of, of looking into it. And we actually did find uh, a buyer that was a strategic buyer that had a business that worked in similar um, clientele, uh, did uh, home security, theater, and business uh, conference centers. So there was a lot of synergies uh, for that business. And he had a uh, an employee that he could actually plug in to run this business. So it wasn't like he was going to have to be doing the daily um, operations. He actually had somebody that could take over that. So I uh, brought that buyer to the table with a full price offer and looked like we were moving towards close at that point in time. Well, you said the key word there, it looked like you were moving toward closing. So what happened to cause problems? Right. So, uh, I, again, this is uh, uh, one that did not close. You are correct in that assumption. Uh, the, at the point in time when we got to negotiating out the deal and the final structure of everything, uh, there was to, needed to be a, a transition period. Uh, this buyer uh, was going to plug in an employee, but needed that employee trained. And since this was really an owner-operated type of business, uh, a lot of the intellectual property and knowledge was in these owners since they were running the business. And so uh, they needed somebody to to train and transition the business over for at least three months uh, because of the nature of some of the clientele and they wanted them around for six months. Now the good news was the seller was very open to that idea and understood that because from the get go, we had uh, told them that that was probably going to be the case because of uh, uh, we like to call it. It's a very owner centric business. The owner is very much in the weeds of the business. The challenge was, is that all of a sudden when we got to the final table, the buyer was willing to pay the seller uh, for helping during the transition. So pay some kind of a, a contract or an employment arrangement. And uh, the seller could not wrap their heads around uh, not participating in if they have great sales and make lots of money and profits, that they weren't participating in that anymore. Um, and so that's when it went uh, uh, went sideways. And unfortunately, we could not, and the uh, commercial real estate agent that was helping with the real estate could not get them to uh, understand that once they sell the business, they even though they were going to work in it for the next three to six months, they were no longer going to benefit on the upside. They also were not going to be hurt if there was any downside effects. So that seems like a real disconnect in connecting the dots for, on their side of the table is that they're getting the asking price. You said that the buyer came and was providing what they wanted for the business and it was being financed or a cash deal for them. They just could not understand why now that they had sold the business and were working in the business, they wouldn't have the full benefit of earning the profits on the upside. That's something they just couldn't wrap their heads around. Correct. And, you know, and I, I understand. I mean, they've been entrepreneurs and, and they've worked hard and they've reaped the rewards of that. And it's hard to sometimes flip that switch to 
being the owner to being just a worker, even if it's a temporary worker for three months. And so I'm just dying to find out what happened here. I mean, you said the business didn't close. So did they walk away from the table and did they find another buyer that didn't have that requirement? They walked away from the table and this was about a year and a half ago that it fell apart. It was on the market for about a year. And as of the end of last year, they were still uh, in business working, you know, nine to five, Monday through Saturday, actually, as a husband and wife team uh, in retail. And they definitely uh, had not find it, found another buyer and were still just operating it. My guess is they'll actually end up closing the business and just selling the real estate somewhere down the road. Wow, that's an interesting story. I think you mentioned something there just about the mindset of an entrepreneur and decades of taking the risk and having your ups and downs and the thrill of being successful as well as some of the pain that goes with some of the down ticks in the economy and the challenges of running a business. And yet they just couldn't flip that switch and put on the hat of being a, an employee for a period of time. It's a big shift in mindset. So what would you say is the real takeaway from a transaction like this? Well, I mean, it started off with just having a good understanding of what the business enterprise value was just to uh, set things up. Uh, number two would be uh, quality books. I mean, if you're preparing or thinking about exit in the future, uh, the more organized uh, the books are, uh, and if they're on electronic form like a QuickBooks or something of that nature, it helps immensely. Uh, and then understanding how a transition process um, would most likely occur depending on the industry you're in. Because uh, some businesses, it's, you know, a quick transition. Here are the keys. Here's the, give me, give me my money. Here are the keys and you're gone. And other ones, are, especially if it's an owner-operated type business, there's going to have to be some work training transition period um, and sometimes that's included in price, and sometimes there's a, an employment contract or uh, some kind of negotiated uh, payment for further time in the business. Well, I think those are some good takeaways, but the one that kind of jumps off the page at me is this, this understanding the transition and how that process works. Well, those are good takeaways. So let's jump into another transaction, Brad, and talk a little bit about a transaction that had its challenges with it. Another one that comes to mind a high-end automotive repair shop, very successful, uh, worked on uh, cars like Porsches and BMWs and actually some Ferraris and things like that. Uh, had a very niche market, uh, didn't do a whole lot of domestic automotive repairs or service uh, unless it was for one of his clients. Uh, even had clients coming to him from over 200 miles away. So uh, built up a great clientele. Uh, it was a great little business. Uh, and, uh, the neat part about this one for the start was, uh, he had a realistic expectation on valuation. Uh, this, uh, business owner came to us through a referral from a financial planner and they had actually had a professional appraisal done uh, by a CPA firm, uh, a very reputable firm that, uh, we've seen in the marketplace. And, uh, usually their, their numbers are and methodologies are spot on. Uh, so when we were brought in to, help them go to market, uh, we already had a good understanding of uh, where value was for the enterprise. And then again, uh, this business also owned the real estate uh, and he had had a recent appraisal done on that, which 
then led to understanding what the real estate was worth. From my understanding here, as you're describing the business, it looks like very high-end. Owner obviously knew his cars. Was he more of a mechanic type or did he have someone that ran the, the actual business side of it and did marketing and customer service and things like that? Yeah, great question. I uh, was a mechanic back in the day, still liked to tinker, but uh, definitely was more overseeing the other mechanics. He did have uh, an office manager that ran the marketing and the uh, office side of things. And that office manager was worth their weight in gold uh, because as far as reporting and getting numbers to us was able to pull things together. And because of uh, bringing this office manager on, uh, sales had gone up for the last five years in a row um, just from quality of running the the efficiencies of the business side of of the uh, automotive shop. Uh, so that part was was wonderful and, and great to work with. And uh, basically the motivation that we were told uh, from this uh, owner was that he wanted to retire. He was you know, done coming in on a daily basis. And so we put together a marketing plan and uh, started looking for the right buyer for him. And how did that roll out? Well, it, it took some time. Uh, we had lots of people interested. Uh, we've always had great success with automotive repair shops. Uh, but the challenge here was finding somebody who was looking for this kind of niche market. Uh, and so eventually a little over a year's time, uh, found the right buyer who had worked in the industry, had worked at several dealerships that were on the high end, uh, was also not a, a mechanic, uh, but didn't mind getting his hands dirty now and again. Uh, so, uh, it was very, uh, financeable. The guy had uh, his ducks in a row before coming in and uh, got a full price offer from him. And uh, there was great synergies and uh, with the current seller and the buyer. Sounds like an ideal situation for both it, of them. It looked like it. We got through most of the negotiations and due diligence uh, and we're already uh, getting attorneys drafting purchase agreements and final documentation. And we usually try to you know, not get inter- the attorneys involved too early until we're ready because we don't do legal work. We want attorneys to help, but we don't want to be spinning wheels or spending people's money until it's ready. So this was at that point in time. And then all of a sudden things went sideways. Why? It just seems like this was a deal made in heaven here. I mean, both parties getting what they needed, a full price offer and someone coming from the industry that understood this niche and high-end market? Yeah, no, it it kind of took the buyer and us by uh, surprise a little bit. Uh, but we started getting the signals from the seller that uh, wasn't going to get enough money uh, out of the deal after he's, you know, put so many years in. And, um, the you know, when we usually get uh, deals like this, that uh, and we've had a couple of them that have gone sideways like this, uh, it usually leads us to believe there's some underlying uh, story there that we weren't able to uncover. Sometimes it is just financial, although that usually is the excuse given. It's not always the reason. Sometimes it's just somebody's not ready to to retire. They don't know what they want to do next. And as they get to that 11th hour when the deal's going to be struck and they realize, I'm not going to have a place to go uh, this isn't going to be mine anymore. Um, they put the brakes on. 
whether they just become unresponsive or become unreasonable with some requests. Um, we've seen it happen before. We usually like to try and head that off at the beginning, but didn't happen in this case. So what you're really saying in a situation like this, you had an appraisal before even coming to you from a reputable CPA firm that did this type of work. So he understood what he was getting out of the business. He got a full price offer. Imagine the terms were reasonable. But yet when it got down to the deal became real and it was going to happen, all of a sudden there was another issues that were probably pretty deep seated that he probably just wasn't ready to walk away from the business. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Is that kind of your assessment? That's the, the best assessment we could come up with. And the gentleman is, is still in business today and is still working there. Two years later, he obviously had a little bit left in the tank as it were. Well, that's an interesting story. And just uh, as far as you know, it didn't sell. It has not sold yet. I don't know if he's now revisiting to sell. Well, um, it, it, No, it has not transitioned. It's still under the same ownership. So the real takeaway here to me is that you really need to come to a realization of what it means that you're going to actually sell the business and not come in every day and that you're ready to walk away and give up something you've worked on for decades and what your life is going to be like after you sell the business. You really need to come to grips with that before going through all the work of getting the business ready for sale and then having that realization as you're walking up to the closing table. Absolutely. Know what you're going to do next. If it's, you know, just stay home and and uh, work in the garden, or if it's some other philanthropic efforts, or maybe it's the next business venture. But if you don't know what the next steps are post-close, that can definitely uh, put a delay in closing, and sometimes uh, a deal can fall through because of that. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people and interviewed them here on the podcast where they actually went through with the sale and were absolutely miserable afterwards and regretted selling their business because they just weren't ready to sell. As the host of Business Exit Stories, I have the opportunity to interview guests and share stories of entrepreneurs that have different types of business exits and sometimes quite dramatically different. Some that are successful and, quite frankly, some that are not so successful. One of the common themes with these exit stories is that entrepreneurs spend years, if not decades, in building a business, but spend very little time thinking about how they will exit their business at some point. Why is this? Well, what I've concluded is this. Because these entrepreneurs are so busy running their business, they believe they don't have the time to think about how they will exit their business. Because they have their heads down and are focused on building up their business and scaling it, why in the world would they be thinking about selling their business now? I will think about that later. Generally, this is really a bad decision, as the exit stories you hear on these podcasts sort of demonstrate. As I've thought about the dramatically different exit outcomes that these entrepreneurs achieve, I began to catalog the tactics and strategies that facilitate successful and profitable business exits. Later this year, I will be publishing a book presented in a case study format that any entrepreneur can read and learn about and understand successful business exit strategies, and that if they put these into practice, they will prepare their business for a successful and profitable exit. 
In writing this book, I decided to use a parachute metaphor. Think about this. Pilots don't pack their parachute when their engines are on fire. They have their parachutes packed and ready to go when they need it. Likewise, successful business owners should pack their parachute and have it ready far in advance of when they need it, because sometimes they will have to exit their business unexpectedly. To get a copy of my upcoming book, Pack Your Parachute, The Strategies Behind Successful and Profitable Business Exits, go to my website, businessexitstories.com forward slash book. Again, that's businessexitstories.com forward slash book. And if you register now for the pre-publication edition, I will send you a discount code that you can use on Amazon for a 90% off reward and discount for just being a Business Exit Stories podcast listener. So get your book now. Well, let's shift gears here and take a few minutes and talk a little bit about some transactions that went well. Well, one, uh, a recent one that we went through, I love to talk about it because uh, it was a deal that could likely have been uh, delayed or derailed because of COVID, uh, yet it uh, went through and uh, was delayed by a couple months to close, but uh, actually progressed right through all of this COVID uh, situation. It was a manufacturing firm that uh, uh, was a partnership between uh, um, uh, an older partner, younger partner. I can't remember exactly how they were related, uh, but there was a relationship there. Uh, and uh, they made parts for uh, automotive industry and uh, been in business for uh, close to 40 years. And the older partner wanted to retire. The younger partner was uh, open to either cashing out or staying on if the fit was there. And uh, we were able to uh, bring a buyer into this process that uniquely enough was originally uh, coming to the table looking for this type of business, but uh, it came to the uh, forefront right away that they were looking for something a little bit larger and this was not going to be a fit for them. Were they more of a strategic buyer versus a financial buyer? Absolutely a strategic buyer. They were looking to add to a missing part to their platform. Uh, yet uh, this was just not the right size uh, for them. Uh, but the person that was in charge of seeking those out uh, was actually part of a family office. And this was a perfect fit for that family office as a piece of their puzzle. Uh, and had his son uh, uh, be part of the strategic purchase in this because they were looking for something to uh, buy, grow, and hold on to, which for our seller uh, was an ideal situation for them because uh, the younger partner actually uh, stayed on and the, center, the younger partner uh, liked work, working one aspect of the business and what the buyer was bringing to the table was a complimentary match on the other side of the business that the younger partner was missing. And that uh, relationship uh, made it an ideal win-win for both seller and buyer and uh, helped keep the deal moving forward. Let me understand the dynamics here. We have a partnership. and I assume by that inference, they were 50-50 partners, an older partner and a younger partner? Correct. 
And so the younger partner is maybe more of the operations type of person and the older partner is more of the business. That would be kind of my assumption. Yeah, the the younger partner was definitely more on the operations and on the floor and and uh, on the manufacturing side. The older partner, uh, quite honestly, was ready to retire five years ago. Uh, and so even though he was the more the business side, he was probably already uh, checked out and not really motivated uh, to take the business to the next level. So it really led to uh, the reason that they either wanted to just sell outright or uh, the younger partner would love to have somebody, you know, take over the parts that he didn't like. And that's what ended up happening. So the buyer came to the table with the son of the family business, the family investment arm of this strategic buyer as more of the business person that was complementary to the younger partner staying on in this manufacturing business. That's kind of how it fit together? Absolutely. And and so there was a great relationship from the start. They, they hit it off well um, and kind of complemented each other uh, in uh, what was needed for the business and great, gave great vision for both buyer and seller to see what could happen uh, over the next three to five years. And that was probably the real reason it didn't fall apart in COVID is that the strategic buyer wasn't just looking uh, to buy something for the quick win. Uh, they're looking to buy something for the, for the long haul. And this was just a good fit. Uh, and so uh, it kept the, the deal moving forward and, and through and through final negotiations. So when you talk about COVID, this transaction started pre-COVID for the lockdown and everything. And because of the strong dynamics of what we have here and the formula of putting these two partners together, a business person and an operational component of the business, as well as strategic buyer, probably brought some relationships to the table too that enhanced the value proposition of making the transaction really a strategic driver to build a, a good-sized business. And that's why I think you said it kept moving. Even though COVID was going on, the dynamics were strong enough to push it through. And it did it close during the COVID? It, it did. Um, the uh, You know, all of these transactions, they're a process and there's always going to be hiccups. It, it never happens fast enough for the seller. The seller always has expectations that um, once I have a buyer, it's just going to close in 30 days. And it, there's always something that comes up and, and delays things. Um, so originally, this was scheduled to close uh, at the end of the first quarter. Uh, and obviously, COVID hit and that delayed the closing a little bit, but it did close uh, the 1st of June. Uh, and so uh, it only delayed the close by a couple months. And, uh, and really, that was just to make sure that. Uh, they were able to reopen during COVID once manufacturing was able to reopen here in Michigan. So I guess what we're looking at in a transaction like this is that the strategic fit is really crucial when it comes to visualizing what the future is going to be like and what the different parties are bringing to the table. And in this particular case, you really had the dynamics of a strategic fit of the people side of the business as well as the business side, when the strategic partner is bringing other relationships to the table, which I think you mentioned, and those dynamics were 
kind of a one and one equals three type of dynamic where those overcome a huge obstacle in the COVID lockdown and that they were able to just power through that and close the transaction because the long-term dynamics were really there. And this was not going to be an impediment for the long term, although they're probably the short term hiccup. Absolutely. And it really was the best exit uh, for the senior partner and a great starting point for uh, the younger partner because he really wasn't done. Uh, although if that's, you know, was the case, he would have walked away. Uh, but this was a great path for him because they're really projecting to be able to double this company in the next three to five years. And that then, and then he's now got a, a, a partner that could buy him out uh, should he decide that he wants out at that point in time. Uh, he's already got the, a, the next exit strategy already put in place. Now that's a great outcome. A fantastic outcome. Well, let's jump into another one that is somewhat similar to this. Share another transaction with us that had some good dynamics going for it. Yeah, the the last one's going to be kind of a little bit of a unique twist. Um, we had done uh, we my partner has been doing business valuations for over twenty seven years, and uh, we had done some valuation work uh, for a gentleman. Uh, uh, we didn't help him sell his company, but uh, he liked the work that we had done. And uh, he actually had us helping him uh, sort through uh, some acquisition uh, strategies and looking to buy uh, a business. And uh, so we were on the buy side. Let me just review here what you just told us is that you had a client approach you that you had done some evaluation work for in appraising some businesses business that he exited and yeah, he approached you and wanted you to source or look over some transactions that he was considering for his next acquisition? Correct. And then, uh, so we had looked in the marketplace, showed him some listings we had. And also, um, uh, my partner and I are part of the Michigan Business Brokers Association. And uh, one of our competitors, if you will, uh, we're friendly competitors. So we work together in co-broker deals, had something that was actually a really good fit for this gentleman. And uh, so we were, it was a sheet metal fabrication uh, entity that uh, did most of its business for industrial HVAC uh, uh, industry and uh, was a nice little shop, uh, well run, had been around for 30, 40 years. uh, And the gentleman who owned it was now just ready to retire. the initial challenge we had with that was they were priced a little high, uh, about 25% uh, above what uh, we saw was uh, fair value for the business. Uh, but again, with uh, we, we always try to go in with buyers or sellers that we're looking to uh, do the deal at a fair price. We're not trying to help people buy stuff for pennies on the dollar. And we're not trying to help people, you know, win the lottery when they're selling it for more than it's really worth. And if we can come to a fair point, then we can start working on deal structure and, and closing. And so with this, after some evaluation uh, work uh, and uh, some discussions with uh, the broker, uh, we were able to uh, get that down. So it sounds like, just to jump in here, you are really on the buy side. You are representing the buyer in this situation, and you happen to know the other intermediary on the other side who had this business for sale 
and you were able to collaborate to make sure that this was a good fit for both the seller and buyer. Is that how this transaction sort of unfolded? Yes, exactly. We were helping the buyer on this one. We represented uh, the buy side and another broker was representing the sell side. And how did it work out on the valuation since you said it was a little overpriced? Well, we we ended up closing the deal. That was the good side of it. Uh, and great for our client at about uh, 30% lower than what their original listing price was. Um, I do think that they they originally were listing it trying to get as much as they could, but getting them to understand and be able to defend that price when we showed the work that we had done for where we came up with value, uh, there wasn't much pushback. So it, it really did seem like the, the seller was realistic uh, on price. And uh, then the real key here was, again, family business for years, treated his employees like family, needed somebody that was a good fit from a personality and could um, our buyer was also willing to get his hands dirty, even though he was more the, the business uh, looking to run it and grow it, uh, was also willing to be on the shop floor. And uh, that went a long way in building a relationship with the seller that uh, he wasn't just somebody going to come tell his people what to do. He was willing to do it with them to learn, to understand. And, uh, and that, you know, a lot of times, sometimes it's not just about price. It's uh, about somebody who's going to, you know, keep jobs in the community and keep a business going uh, in a similar fashion, never going to be exactly the same, but in a similar fashion to what you brought to the table. Well, it sounds like the takeaway here is that when a buyer and seller get to the point where both of them understand how the value is computed and and where the value really is, it makes it a lot easier to agree on what the actual price is going to be as well as the terms for the sale of the business. Absolutely. The value is done. Then it comes down to, is there a good personality fit? Again, just because of transition and, you know, you want to make sure that you're not going from, you know, the seller's getting a lower price. You don't want, as a buyer, I don't want the seller to have a seller's remorse and feel like they didn't get a good value because I need that seller to help me down the road when there's a question that comes up. Uh, and so that is the next hurdle is to make sure that there's a good uh, feeling and, and relationship uh, between buyer and seller. And, and that definitely was established and both parties really felt good about each other. And that helped immensely. Well, this has been a great interview here, Brad. I appreciate you taking the time. Some good takeaways for our audience out there as they go through the process of trying to envision how they're going to position their business for an eventual exit down the road. So thanks for taking the time and sharing those transactional stories with us. Brad, if someone wanted to reach out and chat with you, how would they go about finding you and reaching out to you. Yeah. And I'm always welcome to be a resource to anybody that has questions. They can reach me either phone or email. My phone number is 269-903-8143. And my email address is brad at aba-businessbrokers. So businessbrokers with an S, so plural, dot com. All right. Thank you for taking the time and until next time where we share some more business exit stories. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to the Business Exit Stories podcast. 
For more information or to reach out to today's guest, visit www.businessexitstories.com for more details. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast from your favorite podcasting platforms. And remember, maximizing business value at the time of exit doesn't happen magically. It takes planning. Remember to get your pre-publication edition of my new book, Pack Your Parachute, The Strategies Behind a Successful and Profitable Business Exit. Simply go to businessexitstories.com forward slash book. Again, that's businessexitstories.com forward slash book. If you register now for my pre-publication edition, I will send you a discount code that you can use on Amazon for a whopping 90% off copy of your book as a reward for being a Business Exit Stories podcast listener.